the Harvard Business Review in its article Talk About Privilege at Work last August 2021 said, everyone has some level of privilege and it's important to be open about these issues at work. How do you make it constructive? First, acknowledge that privilege does not mean you've been born with a silver spoon in your mouth. It means that certain parts of your demographic makeup have created advantages for you that others do not have. Second, encourage people to think about their own teammates' privilege and how it changes in various situations. Finally, explain that talking about these issues is the first step to addressing inequities. So we find those three recommendations really laudable and we believe it's brilliant. But what if you are the person who doesn't have privilege? What do you do then? I'm delighted that today we're joined by Jack Bassey, a director at NatWest Bank, to talk about how he hacked privilege and how he now shares with people in his community about hacking privilege. Jack's been a client of mine for about a year now, and I'm really thrilled that he's come on our podcast to share his learnings about how to hack privilege at work if you happen to be the person who doesn't have privilege. Welcome to the Privilege Eruption podcast, a podcast by Belonging Pioneers and Culture Lab Consultancy about the questions and ideas around the hidden barriers to achieving our diversity, equity and inclusion goals at work. This is where we erupt the constraining impact of privilege and explore new possibilities in the context of shared power and purpose. This is where we explore and test out ideas with amazing guests who've done or are doing the work. Jack is going to share with you on this podcast a number of tips for hacking your privilege. But actually, there is very little data about the impact of privilege at work and how that causes inequity, how that slows down your environment, social governance programs, and how it gets in the way of really implementing diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives and achieving your goals. So please support us, help us to increase this body of knowledge through our research. We have a very simple survey for you to complete online. The link is in the show description, the show notes. So please do take a look there, click on the link, give us 20 minutes of your time. You'll be making a massive contribution to how privilege is understood in the workplace and how it is at the skinny edges of what gets in the way of achieving what you want to achieve in your organization. And so we can start to look at then how do we steward privilege more effectively? What do we need to do to stop privilege getting in the way of progress around ESG and DEI? Welcome to the Privilege Eruption podcast with me, Ishreen Bradley, Chief Inspiration Officer at Belonging Pioneers. And me, Kami Nuttall, founder of Culture Lab Consultancy. 
Privilege is a conundrum that dilutes the culture of fairness at work. And as a leader, you recognize that your organization has more to do. You want to create success through connection and belonging, and you're unsure about how to make it happen. Now, the Privilege Eruption podcast is where you have the opportunity to evolve breakthrough thinking about the impact of power, privilege and purpose and how that shows up at work. And in these podcasts, you will gain the courage and confidence to realize a culture of inclusion for all. Now, Jag, I know you mentor people on how to hack their privilege. I'd love to hear your top three hacks. Do you know what? Um, The first one is one that's well trodden. um, And it's about the use of nonverbal body language. Um, and every, m- most people will have come across the concept of mirroring. Mm-hmm. So when, when you're speaking to somebody, when you're engaging with them, when you're trying to get your message across, mirroring, mirroring their body language. Um, but fundamentally, what you are doing there is saying, I am like you. You and I are the same. And if you think about you know, the causes, you know, the roots of privilege, as I explained it, is that when we, when we see people as not like us, it is actually a very useful tool, a simple tool, that helps people feel like you are like them. So you can look totally different, but you can start to bring yourself closer to that other individual. Um, I think, you know, walk the walk is really important. Um, When you're in a professional environment with senior exec or with your management and you want to impress and you see that there are opportunities to be found then believe that you belong there. Because the more that you believe that you're an outsider, the more likely it is that you will be perceived as an outsider. So believe that you belong there more than anybody else does. That. Um, that reminds me actually of something, sometimes a bit hard to explain. Um, when many times in the past I've been asked about, you know, whether I consider myself to be English or not. And I've always, you know, I, I kind of flummoxed by that question being British born. Um, and I would and I would give the cryptic answer, which is, I am not English. English is what I am. And some people got it because what I'm saying there is, I don't have to define myself in to fit into an identity. Mm-hmm. See that thing called Englishness. Well, if you want to know what it looks like, look at me because I define it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, I actively contribute to it because it's a fluid concept that's changed over the years. Um, and that lets me feel like whatever I do is about as English as it comes. So, you know, a sense of belonging. You belong there more than anybody else does. Um, and I guess the final one that is really important, more important than the way you look, I would say. Mm-hmm. far more important is the way you speak um, and for many people from ethnic backgrounds they will speak in more than one way they will context switch when they speak with mm-hmm. family or context switch when they speak with their friends in their workplace and I, I mean I grew up context switching um, because um, you know both my parents were uh, illiterates when they came to the country spoke only Punjabi so at home English was not my first language um, and I, you know, I learned my English when I went to school. But but being mm. speaking appropriately for the environment that you're in 
is imperative. And I choose my words really carefully there because I don't think, well, I'm not saying speak the Queen's English. What I'm saying is speak appropriately and ensure that you recognize that the language that you use carries a lot of meaning. Mm-hmm. Be too colloquial and you will hold yourself back. Be overly formal and you will hold yourself back. It's about finding the sweet spot. But to be able to do that, you have to listen. Listen to the way the conversation unfolds. I'd probably say that that is, in itself, probably that third one is probably the, one of the, the most powerful mechanisms that anybody has at their disposal. You know, be, choose your words carefully. Recognise that they can be a wedge that can open doors for you. I absolutely recognise that, Jag, and, and it takes me back to my first context hack or code hack. Um, when I was eight years old and I came to the UK, we, my family came to the UK in the 70s when I was eight, and um, I remember realising that I had to do that, actually not in order to succeed. In my world, it was in order to survive in that environment, which was a, a rough environment, you know, to be the only brown girl in a class of 30 in the 1970s was kind of tough. So I remember sitting in front of the mirror trying to impersonate the Queen in order to change my language. Mm-hmm. And and actually, I think it has served me. When I look back, I kind of think, you know, why did I have to do that? But actually, doing that has made a huge difference, just like you said, Jag. And I would always then say, again, back to the point of, well, why should you have to fit in? You shouldn't have to. But there are some sad realities that we don't live in the ideal world that we would want to. Um, and, and if we always remember that the purpose of this is to drive change, it is easier to drive change when you are in that position of power mm. than it is to always be the recipient or at, the, at a lower rung of the ladder and always struggling to have your voice heard. If you really want change, then change by any means, you know, achieving that uh, that that position by any means that you can becomes essential to be able to drive change for others. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm going to be really controversial and be one of the people that actually doesn't agree necessarily with good switching. Like and the in, as you were talking, Jag, in my head the hands kept going up saying, but 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 no no right. So there's a real resistance in me that says, and I think a lot of people, and you've said a lot of people do disagree with this notion. And and I know Ishreen and I have talked about this before. And, 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 I, and, I, don't, and I suppose the difficulty I have with it is that whole, we want to create a world where, where, we, where we want everyone to be able to be authentic and themselves. Yet what we're also suggesting is that you need to fit in. In order to fit in, you need to make some fundamental decisions about how you approach those situations and the best way to fit in is to be perhaps um, to create affinity with others i.e. that they begin to accept you because they might you do something that reminds them that you do fit in does that make sense that's how my brain is working around this subject um go on (laughs) yeah I, i completely agree um, and I struggle with this myself. Mm. So mm. I would say, first of all, this is not advice to anybody to, to say fit in. Yeah. Um, it is a personal choice and there is no right or wrong about it. Um, I'm going to 
I'm going to maybe provide a metaphor that I find useful for myself. Um, and that metaphor is the metaphor of a tool, a can opener, mm. is absolutely useless if you have no cans to open. Mm. But if you've got cans, then a can opener is designed perfectly to achieve a particular outcome and it does it really effectively. If you think about the the need to um, build affinity with others, um, it is a mechanism. It's a tool that is there available at your disposal. It has an outcome. Mm -hmm. You choose to use that tool or not. It is a it is a, always a choice. Now, the thing that I would say is, if I look back at my career, I think maybe in my mid twenties, I got a break. Um, I've been fortunate actually. I've always had a really um, really good set of capable, uh, inspirational managers um, in my career. Um, and in my mid-20s, one of my managers gave me a bit of a break. I think that was the opportunity. A door opened, which was, I think you can do this. Go on, get, give it a go. Mm. Um, and I effectively built my career off that break. So I think for anybody that's in an early part in their career that is struggling to find that break, mm. it's my advice there is, Make your choice that's personal and right for you, but always recognize that sometimes to get a break, it's somebody else that gives you the break. And, that's and to get a break, yeah, and that's where that's where you need to be really clear. You don't have to do these privilege hacks, but you need to be clear that if you don't, that you're comfortable with the consequences. Because what I don't want people to do is to find themselves 20 years on in their career to find, well, I never got the breaks that I wanted, but to not acknowledge why that might be. So all, mm -hmm. I'm, all I'm highlighting, I guess, is um, there are times in our careers when the support of others, especially those in power, um, in positions of power, is really important. And we have to think about our strategies to be able to acquire that support. Um, you know, it sounds really Machiavellian in a way, but, you know, I guess, yeah. I guess, I, I guess, it is in a way it's about manipulating a situation and a power dynamic to your own advantage but the truth is i think it applies to people in their later careers as well because yeah. as you get later in your career you know you can easily start to stall and slow down and it's those times when you need the support and sponsorship of your senior executive managers oh, because I without it resonate. you'll yeah. try and look at a, yeah. a glass ceiling so I, I get your point i'm not asking people to change their identities like let's not forget you know i i, I was brought up in an identity with, with an identity that was rigid and strong and fixed and visible mm. it worked to the visual identity of my Sikh heritage was to stand out in the crowd mm. was to stand proud of my difference and i do stand proud of my difference although I, I, i'm not baptized and i don't i don't um, i don't follow the faith and i don't present in that way but the lesson that i learned of you know you know, chest out, um, chin up, um, you know, don't back down, um, stays with me to this day. Um, oh, gosh. So I'm not I just got a shiver. I'm so sorry. I just got a shiver when you said that. So, yeah, no, really, that went straight to the heart. That definitely went straight to the heart, yeah. So, yeah, I just want to be clear. I'm not suggesting anybody become a shrinking violet and just fit in and disappear in the background. I'm saying this is a tool that's at your disposal and yeah. use it proudly, but only do so if you're comfortable with it. Yeah. And I think that's a really important distinction. You know, the mind of an eight-year-old trying to survive at school mm -hmm. um, would try to fit in. But the mind of an adult 
professional looking to contribute their best. And advance their career as well. And advance their career. It's a strategic choice, right? It's a strategic choice. I'm not sure I'd say it's manipulation. I think it's strategy. And I think you can, (laughs) you know, and I think you can do that by being your authentic self. You can you can code switch or context switch in a way that who you are is not lost and I think one person who does that amazingly well is Barack Obama Mm -hmm. you know you'll see him with um, you know the footballers and and with people from his cultural heritage being the homie and you'll see him in political environments being very much like one of the political elite the lawyer (laughs) <laughs> a lawyer, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Fist bumps and handshakes in equal measure. Yes, indeed, indeed. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I, I yeah, I, I, I suppose I just need to spend a bit of time with exploring my own resistance to this and how I actually, and and like all our listeners, you know, who who navigate this world, I think this is, it's it's a really crucial. I, I think it's it's not. Cru- I think it's significant conversation to be having, which is why I'm really delighted we're having this conversation. But I do have a couple of questions before we sort of start thinking about where this is landing. So, um, so if you're willing, um, first question is: Does you know what in, in terms of thinking what what um, privilege gets in the way of? Is it is it that it's the person holding privilege that is always um, impacted, or is it always the other person who's impacted that doesn't have that privilege? I think it's. I think both parties are impacted. Yeah. Um, the, the, so, so if if you're not in the position of power, then you're impacted because the doors aren't open for you, and you remain. You, your your progress, whether it prefer, be professional or economic, is always stunted. But also, if you think about it from the perspective of the individual that holds that position of privilege, if they're not conscious of it, then effectively they've limited the reach. And opportunity to build strong affiliations with really capable individuals. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the truth is, if you fish in a small pond, then you aren't necessarily going to get the best talent. And good, good organisations today recognise that you know diversity and inclusion isn't just about ticking the box to show the numbers. It's actually about making sure that you fish in a big enough pond to get the best people on board. Because it's only when you find those best people. So yes, I think both are affected. But in slightly different ways. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. I think that advocates can be something that we speak a lot about in in our work with organisations, which is the the route to success in this area is compassion, mm-hmm. and having compassion for the people with privilege who are doing their best after all, but just don't have the education about how to deal with this situation of um, creating an equitable environment and then having compassion Mm. for the people who are in a position of less privilege and opening doors and creating pathways for them to succeed and and really believing in what they can contribute because they've got a huge amount to contribute. Right, yeah, yeah. And one last question. Before we go, <laughs> how do we steward privilege effectively? And when we steward privilege, does that mean we have to give something up? When you say steward privilege, what do you mean, Cami? So by stewarding privilege, 
I mean, you know, we recognize the privilege that we hold, which is different to others. And that from time to time, we need to make a decision around, um, make different decisions that perhaps benefit other people, but wouldn't necessarily benefit me. So just to give you an example of that, Jack, one of um, one of our clients, um, they're, they're a theatre company and there were two CEOs. One was acting, one was permanent, both white middle-aged men. And the one who was acting, his job was coming up to being made permanent and they were going to advertise it. And this company was really committed to equity. And the CEO, he had... A conversation with us and a conversation with himself about well do you know should I step down so that we can steward privilege for others um, you know I'm, I'm someone of privilege and they had a really sincere conversation about whether he should apply for the job or not um, and in the end you know it was it was decided that he should apply because he was well qualified, he loved his job, he made a big, big difference as a good leader. But but the first step, I think, to stewarding privilege is, is having that conversation and asking that question, right? It's a brave question. Yeah. I think it is a really brave question. It's a very delicate space. But I think that starting point of asking yourself the question of what are the consequences of my choices and actions that are unintended and am I comfortable with them is probably the most important thing that we should always always ask ourselves um, you know making sure that the the things that I am doing the decisions that I am making are equitable mm. um, and stand up to scrutiny that you know that you can be challenged is really important because I think it's only then that you can then make those decisions and see those choices and, and consequences more clearly to be able to ensure that there is a equitable distribution of uh, of mm. privilege. Um, I mean, for me, my personal journey has been, um, I, I never used to be involved that heavily in any matters around uh, diversity, inclusion, ethnicity, race, or anything else. Um, but in the last couple of years, it's dialed up really significantly with the amount I talk about it and share my perspectives inside the organization and outside the organization. Um, and that has come from, I think, awake and a bit of an awakening to and a desire to steward that privilege and to provide opportunity to others to mm. be able to do the same thing as well. I really resonate with that, Jack. Yeah, thank you. Right. So that I think brings us to to a natural close of our conversation. Really enjoyed the conversation, Jag, Ishreen. Um, let's just leave with what what do you take away from this conversation today? And one of you can start us off. <laughs> Put you on the spot. I'll let you go first, Ishreen. Oh, thank you. Well, Jag, I'm going to point to something you said, which is. Um, which I found really fascinating and I'm going to reflect on is um, for people from a minority of any sort, you only have two choices, mm. change the world around you or change yourself. And I think that's, that's really insightful and worth reflecting on. Yeah, yeah. The thing that I would, I would probably call out is that 
increasingly we live in a very polarized society and in a polarized environment reducing individuals to a single dimension of identity happens really quickly and really easily and when you are reduced to a single dimension of identity whatever that might be then looking back at history i think you know bad things happen it's pretty consistent and human behavior is very predictable so so i think the thing i would ask people to take away from this is think about identity as being complex and multidimensional and focus on those areas those other areas of your identity and use that to make you a more multifaceted person but use it as a tool to be able to build connection with others mm-hmm. oh god that's lovely yeah yeah i absolutely um, bow my head uh, to both of you in 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 what you've just shared um, about about what you've taken away and really don't want to detract from any of that but i do want to just resonate with one statement that you made jag and that i am english versus english is what i am that really went to went to again went to my heart so thank you for sharing your views and sharing your experiences and stories uh, with us today really really pleased to have you with us here today thank you for the invite really appreciate it good to see you again thank you bye, bye. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for joining us. Our intention is to bring you new insights about the impact of power, privilege and purpose at work for you and for your organization. You can check out our episode description for social media accounts and don't forget to send in your questions and you can send those to our email equitychampions@belongingpioneers.com. We look forward to sharing more about power, privilege and purpose at work with you on this podcast. Now if you got value please remember to share it with your networks please leave us a review and as Cammy said please do remember to send us any questions that you'd like us to discuss on this podcast and we'll see you next time see you next time bye